Howdy, folks. This is the Words of Truth from the Scriptures podcast. I'm Brian Yeager. I'm glad you tuned in to listen. Our podcast today is titled Use That Crystal Ball. I want to tell you where I got the idea from this lesson from, but before I do that, I want to make some things clear. The crystal ball is just a figurative illustration. Have you ever heard someone say, if I had a crystal ball to look into, I wouldn't have done this, or I wouldn't have done that, or I would do this, or I, 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 I would do that. Well, I'm not suggesting a literal crystal ball, but I am going to be talking about looking into the future. And this lesson is going to be more about things that are somewhat predictable than anything else. Now, when we look at the Bible, there, there are obviously some rules in place. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 10, 14, a fool also is full of words, a man cannot tell what shall be and what shall be after him, who can tell him? In Ecclesiastes 3.22, Solomon said, Wherefore I perceive that there is nothing better than for the man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his portion, for who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? In Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 12, says, for who knoweth what is good for man in this life? All the days of his vain life, which he spendeth as a shadow. For who can tell a man what shall be after him under the sun? Then in chapter 8, which we'll come back to here in just a moment, verses 6 and 7 of the book of Ecclesiastes. So it's Ecclesiastes 8, 6 and 7. Because to every purpose there is time and judgment. Therefore the misery of man is great upon him, for he knoweth not what shall be, for who can tell him when it shall be? So I'm not contradicting in this podcast or in any other form of teaching what the inspired writer of the book Ecclesiastes, Solomon, wrote, nor am I trying to contradict other statements in the Bible. Because aside from prophets, and that's a whole other subject, there are no modern-day prophets. If somebody today is telling you they are a prophet, that is false. You can go back and listen to the podcast titled uh, The Age of Miracles and see the evidence presented from the scriptures therein. So aside from prophets that aren't around, man does not certainly know what is coming. In fact, we don't even know if tomorrow's going to come. In Proverbs 27, verse 1, it says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. James, in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 16, says, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy, and sell, and get gain, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live or do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. We can't guarantee tomorrow is going to come. Now, if we come back to Ecclesiastes 8, uh, we, we already talked about verses 6 and 7. Ecclesiastes 8, 8 says, There is no man that hath power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit. Neither hath he power, and that means authority, over or in the day of death, and there is no discharge in that war, neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. So I, I can't control if I'm going to die or not. And we all should realize that. In the very next chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, Solomon writes, 
I return and saw under sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. For what man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are taken in evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. Time and chance, nobody has control over that. It, you, you could go out to do something and uh, be hit by an automobile uh, over my house uh, multiple times a day. We have airplanes flying over us going to uh, the airport here in El Paso. There are times where we have military aircraft flying over our home, helicopters, and then larger, much larger uh, aircraft as well. Who knows what's going to happen any day uh, at any point in time, even if you do all you can. You know, you, you take your vitamins and you exercise and you do uh, whatever else. People die suddenly, and sometimes there's just no medical explanation. Like somebody tries to figure it out, and they just don't know. So with those qualifiers... That being, whether or not tomorrow comes, we don't know. Can't control death. Don't know when it's going to come upon us. And that, you know, there are no prophets today, and, and we can't, we, we don't have a literal crystal ball. With those qualifiers, I want to use the figure of a crystal ball in a way where we can talk about if tomorrow does come, there is some degree of predictability upon certain factors that you can know some things that are likely to come about. Now, I want to talk to you just briefly, and I don't want to come back to this towards the end of the podcast, and I'll give you specifics. But uh, growing up, I had an older uh, brother. Well, we had the same mother with different fathers, and his, his name was Bobby, or technically Robert, but, uh, you know, we called him Bobby. And Bobby was, he was messed up. He was seven years older than me, and, and he went through some things in life. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about it here a little bit later. But it messed him up. He ended up severely into drugs and alcohol, was very violent, was a very unhappy person. And he did things in life that I saw as a child and even at five, six, seven years old, when really, you know, his life was just spiraling out of control and things were happening, I began to learn from him some things not to do. I basically had a crystal ball. I knew if I take the route my brother takes, this is going to be the end of it. Now, I said I had a brother. That's because he's dead. And if I were to take the route in life that he chose, I would be as well. I will come back to that point here a little bit. Um, I want to walk away from it just momentarily because we want to talk about the Scriptures. Because this is the Words of Truth from the Scriptures podcast. Through knowledgeable observation, there is some predictability by using history and other events kind of as a crystal ball. This isn't the opinion of Brian. This is what the Bible teaches. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul writing to the saints in Corinth, uh, 
verses 1 through 12. It says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of the serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto us for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom, whom the end of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Paul's saying, look backwards. Look backwards at history and observe what happened among God's people and the end result of their sinful actions because those things are examples for us to learn from. Don't do this because, hey, here's your crystal ball. Destruction is the result of these actions. Being observant. I, I, I want to use a, a context out of Psalm 107. and uh, If you're a Bible student, you'll understand this. If not, let me give you just a little side information here. When we're reading through the Old Testament, there were times where God caused famines and plagues. I mean, you know, most people in the world, uh, if they've never even opened a Bible, might have seen the movie The Ten Commandments or one of the versions of the movies and the plagues that God sent upon Egypt, uh, so forth and so on. Or, or those of you who are Bible students might be familiar with less famous accounts like Elijah and the ceasing of the rain on earth in 1 Kings 17 and 18 and all the events that surrounded that. Well, this particular psalm is making reference to some of those types of events. They're obviously miraculous events that don't occur on earth today. We don't see God interacting in direct manners like this. But there is, from this context, a lesson. And that lesson is going to be that wise people observe things and learn from them. So in Psalm 107, 31 through 43, it says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turneth rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. He turneth the wilderness into standing water and dry ground into water springs. And there he maketh the hungry to dwell, that they may prepare a city for habitation. And sow the fields, and plant vineyards, which may yield fruits of increase. He blesses them also, so that they are multiplied greatly, and suffereth not their cattle to decrease. Again, they are minished and brought low through oppression and affliction and sorrow." He poureth contempt upon princes and cause them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet setteth he the poor on high from affliction and maketh his families like a flock. Notice this. The righteous shall see it. 
and rejoice, and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. How observant are you? Here in this psalm, they're being taught under the old law, during Old Testament times, observe what happens to the wicked, observe what happens to the righteous that are poor, see how God deals with them. Why? Because that is, in essence, your crystal ball. You can have some level of predictability there. I know if I do this, here is the end result. Here's what's going to happen uh, to me. There are other things about observation that are taught in the scriptures. Solomon in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 10, he says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long will thou sleep, O sluggard? When will thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So, hey, lazy person. If you want to learn something, be observant. Go look at the ant. Do you know why the ant survives the winter? Because they work. And boy, they work without somebody sitting there pushing them and prodding them and telling them to go. They work and they work and they work. Have you ever watched ants? It is crazy how busy those little dudes are. I mean, what a lesson. Just by observing these small little insects... There's something to be learned. How observant are you? Life, the world, the Bible, man, your neighbor, they're all crystal balls. You can see through somebody else's efforts or lack thereof what things come about from certain types of action so that there's level of predictability. In Proverbs chapter 21, 11 and 12, says, when the scorner is punished, the simple is made wise, and the wise is instructed, he receives knowledge. The righteous man wisely considereth the house of the wicked, but God overthroweth the wicked for their wickedness. So even, even here, look, consider the house of the wicked. L look at what, what is happening. Look at the result of their actions. Be an observant individual, because if I choose wickedness, and there's my crystal ball. In Proverbs chapter 24, 30 through 34, says, I went by the field of the slothful, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and it received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, let it fall in the hands of sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. <laughs> so, you know, go by the house of the lazy person who's not doing anything. Sooner or later, everything's falling apart. Overgrown. Property destroyed. Hunger. Poverty. And the future. Well, what happens if I'm lazy? You know, you've got direct statements in the Bible like, if any man will not work, neither should he eat, 2 Thessalonians 3.10. Yes, yes. Then you have the examples of, look at the life of someone that chooses that path. Now, you have that crystal ball.
you can look into your future if you're headed down that road. You can know if I live long enough, if tomorrow comes, you know, all those qualifiers we talked about earlier in this podcast, this is what my future looks like. You can talk to people. You know, we have a world full of people with, of experiences, people both in Christ and outside of Christ. And I'm not suggesting to take counsel from somebody who is not godly, but like our Lord showed in Proverbs 21, 11, and 12, you can even learn from the wicked in this way. When it comes to counsel, you definitely want to find wise counselors, and you want to listen. And Proverbs 11, verse 14 says, Where no counsel is, the people fail, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. I want to talk to people. I want to learn from their experiences. I want to understand things that will help me so that I don't make foolish decisions. Because the counsel of a multitude of people is a crystal ball. You know, when somebody tells you, I did this, this, and this, and now look at me, whatever, whatever scenario it is, well, I want to listen to that. I, I want to hear that. Uh, when we look at the book of Proverbs, chapter 12, verse 15, says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearketh unto counsel is wise. Are you a listener? I mean, when the crystal ball is showing you your future, you, you, you going to look? <laughs> In chapter 19 of the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 19, verse 20, hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy later end. I mean, man, gain wisdom. Surround yourself with multiple people that can share with you good wisdom. In Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they're established. In chapter 24 and verse 6 of the book of Proverbs, it says, for by wise counsel, thou shalt make thy war. And in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Listen to people, hey, especially, uh, you know, I love listening to older people, and as I get older, I still love listening to older people uh, who have experienced things in life that I've yet to experience, who have seen things that I have never seen, who have a past that you know I can learn something from. Uh, be a sponge. Soak it up. Be wise. And then you'll have an ability to see likely outcomes from decisions to know what to avoid and what not to avoid. But listen, and there's a caution here. Be careful what, what people you choose to listen to. You know, there are times where people say, well, I got advice. Well, from who, though? Okay, from who? Uh, in Proverbs 13 and verse 20, it says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. You better be careful who you're listening to. In the multitude of, of, of counselors, there is safety. You can gain wisdom, but you can also surround yourself with people who will give you stupidity, and you will gain failure. You will gain foolishness, especially if you're the type of person that wants to surround yourself with people that will tell you that you're right, that won't ever tell you something contradictive to you. You know, it's like a, a leader who 
maybe a president or a governor or so forth, so on, or a business person that surrounds himself with yes men. And everything that, that they come up with, the people around about them are, oh, yes, oh, yes, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. No, 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 no. Don't be afraid of people that will challenge you and cause you to think differently. Because sometimes the crystal ball doesn't show you the information you want to see. It shows the information you need to see. Ultimately, this should be obvious. You want to surround yourself with godly people because evil companions corrupt good manners. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. That's with balance because like we read in Proverbs 21, 11, and 12, there are things we can learn from the wicked. I, I'm going to get to a point, some points I learned from wicked uh, here in just a little bit from my older brother. Uh, some, some great wisdom I learned from his failures. Going by the house of the wicked, see what the outcome is. Before we get to that, I want to talk about the work. You know, one of the ideas that people like about a literal crystal ball is that they can just look into it. Well, getting wisdom, it is going to require some work. The multitude of counselors, being observant, being a Bible student, looking at like 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 12, looking backwards at decisions the children of Israel made or erring disciples of our Lord made, the outcome and how to avoid the same path. That, that takes some work. You're not just going to you know, say, hey, you know, show me my future, and, and that's it. And then, okay, well, I'll change this and that. Now show me my future. No, you're going to have to work at getting wisdom. And Proverbs chapter 4, verses 5 through 7 says, Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth, forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she will keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Wisdom is personified there. Go get her. Hold on to her. Don't forget her. Don't sit back and say, you know what? I want, I want a simpler way. There's not a simpler way. Remember the multitude of counselors. There's a principle right there, right? Like don't just learn something from one individual or hear something from one individual Gather as much resources as you can and take the time to gain wisdom. Do the work. Think about what it means to seek. In Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, says, My son, if thou will receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge... And liftest up thy voice for understanding. If thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures. So wisdom is like a treasure hunt. It's not going to just be a 20 second endeavor. It's going to take you time to seek, to discover. And then to seek after wisdom as though wisdom is silver gives you the idea that while you're looking, you understand the value. And then when you find it, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious 
than rubies, and all things that thou canst desire are not compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand uh, riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. All her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. You know, wisdom takes some seeking, but then you find it. Then you get it. And that might be on individual subject matters or individual decisions and, and accumulating over time. But when you find it, there's a happiness. And then you recognize, I've gained something very valuable. I've gained something that has worth to it. Wisdom has worth. Well, why is that? In Proverbs 19.8, He that getteth wisdom loveth his own soul. He that keepeth understanding shall find good. It's a matter of your soul. It's a matter of eternity. And when, when you think about wisdom, God doesn't want his people to be foolish. When you're studying the Bible, foolishness is clearly exposed. But the instruction of God is, in Proverbs 8, 33, hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. And Ephesians chapter 5, New Testament, verses 15 through 17, see then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, I mean, in simplicity, we have the word of God that gives us all things pertaining to life and godliness, that knowledge that gives us all things pertaining to life and godliness. 2 Peter 1 and verse 3. But within that, that wisdom that we gain from the scriptures, the scriptures also tell you go out and observe things in the world, right? The ant, the sluggard, the house of the wicked. We already looked at those examples. Be observant. The all-sufficient Word of God tells you, look in the Word of God and outside the Word of God. Look at the world. Look at the things that are going therein. Even people who do not use the Bible will tell you that history is repetitive. Well, there's a crystal ball for you. When people make certain decisions, like you can see the direction our country is heading politically, economically, and many other ways, and it's all bad. Well, how do you know that? Because history shows us that. You know, you know uh, then when you look at that, then you compare that to the Bible. One thing I think about our country, especially when I hear uh, political candidates talk, I, I always think about pride cometh before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall, Proverbs 16, 18. Like the, the arrogancy and the pride that is in our nation you know, you know what's coming. You know, down the road. I mean, you know, might might be China, might not be. I mean, we we have enough people coming across the border right now that could be building an internal military to far outnumber our own. Uh, it's crazy, right? Like, you, that's a crystal ball. You know, what's coming isn't good. It's bad. Exactly what it will be and from whom might not see the details, but you know from history and you know from being observant that what is in front of us is, is not great. It's not exciting things. It's not a, a great-looking uh, future. Well, I had mentioned that what brought about this lesson was my deceased older brother, Bobby. So I grew up in a a home with uh, a mother who, you know, only used the Lord's name in vain. And we didn't have any Bible teaching, um, a lot of ungodliness, um, 
So before I was ever introduced to the scriptures, I learned some things that are in the Bible just by being observant of my older brother. So my older brother was, was seven years older than me. He was a teenager in, in what I want to tell you about. He was about 13. And I'm placing that age on him because I remember he was playing Babe Ruth baseball. And I know from playing baseball like he did, that you played in the city that we lived in. You played in Little League until you were 12. And then after that, you went to the Babe Ruth League. Well, he was 13. He was a very good pitcher, um, uh, very good at playing baseball. And he and I were often home alone as my mother went out and did various things. Well, we had a neighbor, and she was a married woman. And um, I would imagine, uh, I still remember somewhat what she looked like then. I don't know what, I mean, it's been a long time ago, Uh, 40-some years ago, uh, the account that I'm telling you about. Um, But my brother was about 13. And uh, all I know is this woman named Twyla, she would look in on us sometimes while my mother was gone. We had no supervision, no adult supervision. Well, this Twyla lady, she didn't look in on us just for being a considerate neighbor. We lived in the housing projects. Not that everybody that lives in the housing projects is bad or anything of that nature, but this particular woman certainly was. My mother was gone. We didn't have a father. Uh, matter of fact, like I said, my brother and I, we had different fathers. My father actually adopted him when he married my mother. Uh, but he was out of the picture for the most part at this point in time. Um, I think we saw him every once in a while, but not very often. So, here, this pretty dark road. Um, this twilight lady, while, while she's looking in on us, she was doing a little bit more than looking in on my brother. Um, they were committing the act of fornication. And somehow, somewhere, and as a six-year-old, I don't have all the details, but I do remember the police were involved at one point. And right after the police were involved, all of a sudden, we were in the middle of the night going to this hospital that was in this city called St. John's Hospital. And my brother was in the mental ward because he had tried to kill himself. Well, he tried to kill himself because, well, his his, uh, act of fornication uh, got this woman that he thought he was loving in love with in trouble. He's 13 years old, you know. Um, and it was terrible. It was a terrible time. And he, even at six years old, it was terrible to realize it. Well, as I learned in that moment, that wasn't good for children to be unsupervised. That we needed protected. made life kind of a bit scarier for me because I just, just kind of thought, you know, my brother's home, I'm okay. Well, you know, when you look at the Bible, parents have responsibilities. I learned it before I ever opened the Bible, but the Bible confirms it. And Deuteronomy 31, 12 and 13 says, Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear, that they may learn, and fear the Lord your God, and observe to do all the words of this law, and that their children which have not known anything, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land, whether you go over to Jordan possession. 
Children need guidance. Why? Because they don't know anything. At 13 years old, my brother didn't understand that this older woman who was married was molesting him. He thought it was love. No, it was a disgusting act that an adult should not have ever done with a child. Well, in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. You know what my brother and I were not taught? We weren't taught that. In fact, by the time that this all happened, I had already, at that age, seen multiple X-rated films in the house uh, because my mother and girl, her girlfriends would sit there and watch them, and they didn't care if my brother and I watched with them. Of course, at that age, I didn't quite grasp everything that was going on. I'll leave it at that, but I saw some, some stuff well, you know, my brother brought up that with that too. So when he gets the opportunity to exercise what he was taught, well, he took that opportunity to exercise it. And what, who better with than this woman that lived next door to us? She's an older woman, you know. I mean, those things were popular then like they are now. So, you know, those young people that are listening now that think your sexual perversions are just in your generation, no, no. They, they, they've been on this earth as long as I have. So, you know, I learned as a young child, my mother wasn't a very good teacher. She wasn't a very good protector. I longed to have guidance that wasn't available to us. I also learned the need for discipline that we didn't have. You know, Proverbs 29, 15 says, The rod and reproof gave, give wisdom, but a child left himself bringeth his mother to shame. Yeah, that, that's what happened in that account. So I learned scriptural truths by observing the wicked before I even opened the Bible. And then later in life, as I learned the Word of God, those moments where I'm like, yep, this book does contain all things or life and godliness. Wish I would have known it younger. Wish I would have known it ahead of time. Wish my brother would have known it. Because my brother started down a course there at 13 years old of drugs and alcohol and fornication until the day that he died. And I mean severe. My brother was growing up basically, I mean, he had... I can't remember how many times he had girlfriends that had abortions, but it was, it was not just once or twice. It, it was disgustingly many times. And how many times I've seen him committing fornication in the house as nobody is home. Well, later in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, Flee fornication. Oh, my. Somebody needed to teach that to my brother. Now, I learned it by watching it. Um, I learned, you know, when, when, you're, when you're a young boy and your brother is having to shave all the hair off of his body because he has a certain STD, 
you begin to hear terms like crabs. And then when that same brother is going to the bathroom and he's screaming in pain and then has to go to uh, the hospital and begin a drug treatment that is terrible. And well, where'd he get that? He got that from this girl or this girl or that girl. And then when somebody comes knocking on the door and wanting to kill your brother because he gave that man's daughter that disease that he got from another girl. Listen, 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee fornication, but it doesn't stop there. It says, every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. I learned that by observing the wicked. And when I found it in the scriptures, I thought, uh-huh, the Lord knows this. Wouldn't it have been great? Wouldn't it have been great? Somebody would have taught that to my brother. Uh, I got to learn it from observation before I read it in the scriptures. But it would have been great. Been great. And somebody taught that to him. The Bible's the crystal ball. Had we just had a mother and a father that would have cared enough to dive into the Word of God and be a guide to us in the hard lessons that ended in death when it had to be learned. My brother turned to alcohol at a young age, and my mother helped buy it, by the way. Um, you know, I, I knew how to make mixed drinks, vodka and orange juice, rum and coke, other types of things. When I was young, I was very young. In fact, um, I had other friends. I had a friend that lived across the street from me. His name was Clay. My mother would, on New Year's Eve, would let us both drink when we were in elementary school. Wow, right? So, of course, my brother grew up in this environment and drugs, alcohol allowed in the house. My mother took this uh, position of, if you're going to drink, I want you to drink with me. Dude's 14, 15 years old. I'm young. We're allowed to drink alcohol. What? Well, as my brother grew up, there's this one account I recently told my brethren here in El Paso about. I'm sorry, some of this is kind of hard to talk about. It makes me sad. But uh, we were going to a funeral, and I lived in another city, and I drove back, and my brother Bobby wanted to go to the funeral uh, as well. So we went to the funeral, but I came to pick him up at his apartment, and he was living with a girl, and uh, when I got in there, uh, I looked in his refrigerator, no food, 40-ounce bottles of old English malt liquor, like 20 of them, but no food, looked in his cupboards, no food, Bobby, what are you doing? What, what are you eating? Tried to have a conversation with him. We're both adults at this time. I was a young adult. We're adults a couple years before he died. So what he had grown to is, you know, 
he would drink himself to sleep and then get up and start it all over again the next day. Nobody warned him about what would happen when you start drinking as a young person and you become an alcoholic. But you know what the Bible tells us? Here's this crystal ball. Now, I saw it in my brother. Here's the, here's the scriptures, Proverbs 23, 29 through 35. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? That they tarry long at the wine, that they go to seek mixed wine. Look not that upon wine when it's red, when it gives its color in the cup, when it moveth itself right. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shall thou say, and I was not sick. They have beat me. Excuse me, and I felt it not. When I shall awake, I will seek it yet again. So my brother's dating this girl named Connie. If you know me, you know my... When I remember details like this, that's not good. I, I don't have that great of a memory of these kinds of things. So she's dating this woman named... Uh, this girl named Connie. One of the girls that, I think, multiple abortions is with as well. Well, he was drunk. He was in high school. Now, that's not saying much. He was in high school till he was 21 years old. <laughs> Didn't graduate, never did. Um, but he was in high school, so... so I can't remember his age, but I remember that part. So he's 21 or under. Uh, this girl dared him that if he loved her, he would put his arm through a window, punch a window, to show that he loved her. He was drunk. She was drunk. Well, this window had that wire in it. It was at uh, Steubenville Big Red High School, um, and it had that wire in it. Uh, he did it. He did it. And he comes home, and there's blood everywhere, and he can't move his hand and can't do anything. Uh, severed a tendon and in his arm. And so we are off to the hospital in the local city, and they could not deal with it, so they had him transported by ambulance to Wheeling, West Virginia. So here we are for days in this hospital in Wheeling, West Virginia, and it's touch and go, and they're trying to save him and trying to stop the bleeding and trying to repair this tendon and all these other things. So Proverbs 23, 29 through 35 that I just read, when it, it talks about, you know, the, the idea that, uh, your heart will utter perverse things and you say they've stricken me shall thou not say kind of don't know what happened I remember that I was young but I remember that uh, he couldn't remember what he did we only knew what he did because the girl told us <laughs> terrible right well look at the lesson from the wicked but I hope you're starting to see something. Had I been taught the scriptures, I wouldn't have had to observe the wicked. I would have learned it from there. Alcohol and sexual sins tore apart my brother's life. So you know what's interesting? When I'm studying the Bible and I come across Hosea 4.11, 
that says whoredom and wine and new wine take away thy heart? I'm like, yep. You know, my brother comes to my mind. Um, sometimes the word of God is sweet. Sometimes it is bitter. And there are times when I'm studying the scriptures and uh, kind of haunted by things I've observed and done or been part of in the past. But sometimes it's sweet as honey. And then when it enters into your belly, it's bitter. Revelation 10.10. 10. Well, that's one of those many things. So at the end of my brother's life, uh, I was married and uh, one child, another child, my daughter was on the way. Katrina was pregnant. It was December. Get a phone call. Had a real conversation with my brother. I thought I could save him. I thought, I thought that thought that I could do something with him. I, I was in a position to give him a job. I wanted to help him. Uh, now, my brother also was violent. Um, he carried multiple illegal firearms with him everywhere he went. He was in the drug, drug game in a bad way. I didn't necessarily want him in my house, but we, we lived about three and a half hours apart. I want, wanted to help him. Um, yeah. Few weeks later, he was dead. In that conversation, he talked to me about how he envied what I had. At this time, I'm a Christian. I knew the Bible a little bit. I had peace, great marriage. And for my brother, he looked at that and he said that, you know, he wished that he would have peace. And we talked about the alcohol. And he basically drowned his sorrows every single day because his mind was a prison and he hated life. Lo and behold, you know what the Bible tells us? Isaiah 48, 22. There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. Isaiah 57, 21. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. But in contrast, in Psalm 119, 165, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. I could have shown my brother the great peace had he not ruined his life. Excuse me. I'll mute that. It's a sales call. Now listen, you don't have to grow up in the horror film that I lived in my youth. You can look around the world and see the effect of sin in people's lives. Or, if you listened very carefully, I showed you how everything that I learned, and I, I didn't give you every, everything, it just is really sad and depressing to talk about anyway, but, but the Bible would have told me all those lessons As well. We're to live by every word of God, Luke 4 4. Again, that word of God says, observe the wicked, but you know what that's going to do for you? The same thing it's done for me. Just greater confirmation that God knows everything. And that if I listen to the greatest counselor, I'm going to be in the right way. I talked to my children as they grew up and I had this statement a lot that I mentioned to them. 
Tell him, don't learn the hard way. Don't learn the hard way. Told him about things in my life that I had to learn the hard way. Yeah, even observing the wicked. I wasn't always making the right decisions. Israel chose the hard way. In Jeremiah chapter 2, 11 through 19, says, Hath the nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods, but my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, saith the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Is Israel a servant? Is he a home-born slave? Why is he spoiled? The young lions roared upon him and yelled. They made his land waste. His cities are burned without habitation. Also the children of Noph and Taphines have broke down the crown of thy head. Hast thou not procured this unto thyself? And that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God when he led thee by the way. And now, what hast thou to do in the way of Egypt to drink the waters of Sihor? Or what hast thou to do in the way of Assyria to drink the waters of the river? Thine own wickedness shall correct thee. And thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore, and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord of hosts. Don't learn the hard way. Israel chose the hard way. Ten tribes into captivity of Assyria. Judah and Benjamin, 70 years in captivity in Babylon. What? Don't, don't pick the hard way. Learn from others. Open your Bible. Learn from sins of the past that are recorded therein. It's your crystal ball. Look around the world at all the misery that sin has produced and understand that there is no fruit, no good fruit, I should say, from sin. You can see it. The Bible says it, yes, but you can see it. Think about even when we look at the wicked, the crystal ball that is the Word of God, it even shows us what life after death looks like. So, after my brother died, my mother, uh, my, brother, my mother is dead also. Uh, both of them, unfortunately, lost. So what I'm about to read, I know where they are. And I know the decisions that they made that end up there. And I don't want to go. And I also know, and here's my crystal ball. My mother, I don't know, she'd probably want me there because she's that type of a person. She's wicked. My brother, in all his wickedness, I know what he'd say to me if I right now were able to communicate with him. And it's the same thing that we're about to see. So let, let me give you this crystal ball. Let me let you look at the difference between the righteous and the wicked before the judgment day, after physical death. Luke 16, 19 through 31, there was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. 
Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, the King James Version says hell, but the Greek word Hades is the, the right thing. It's not Gehenna, it's not eternal hell. It says in hell or in Hades, he lift up his eyes being in torments and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received the good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, hear this, hear this, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he might testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father, Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they would repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. If you love somebody that's wicked and they've left this world, here's your crystal ball. They don't want you to join them unless they are terrible people. Like I said, my mother's like that. My mother isn't. My mother, she wanted to destroy everybody in her life. Unfortunately, succeeded with my brother. Succeeded with eternal consequences. But anybody that would love you, that has left this world, they're telling you, don't come here. We can see life after death. We have a crystal ball. Look at this world. Look at all that's going on round about it. You know, like the LGBTQ plus garbage that's going on everywhere. <laughs> Here's your crystal ball. Go look at Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, while God's not going to rain down fire and brimstone and destroy cities in this country or other countries, society is going to be destroyed because homosexuality is an attack on the home. It's gross perverseness. It's not innocent people who were born a certain way. It's corrupt individuals who have chosen a sinful way, who are seeking as predators upon those whom they might prey. Go read Genesis chapter 19. It, two angels go to a city and the queers in that city, and you might say, well, what are you going to call them? I, I have nothing good to say about the LGBTQ plus community. Nothing good at all. No respect. Sinful decision. Fornicators. Same thing I'd say about any other sin, by the way. Not a respecter of persons. Uh, this particular sin is one that attacks the family. The men of that city, they wanted to know, which means they wanted to have sex with, these men who enter that city because they're fresh meat. That's the basic idea. That's our future, folks. That's our future in this world with this movement that is gaining ground seemingly on a daily basis. When we use history, biblical and otherwise, when we use the world, and then when we look back to God's Word, what you're going to see is everything that you see 
from the world, everything that I learned from my brother and my mother not to do, from parenting forward, the easier route of that knowledge is the Bible. But sometimes people need to see it, right? Unfortunately, I don't need to see it. I trust God. I trust God. 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17, Paul tells Timothy, From a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God's prophet for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The Word of God tells us, go and observe. So, yes, go and observe. And the easier way of observation is through the Bible. It's the quickest way. There's 66 books full of wisdom. Not only how to be saved, but how not to be damned. Not only about things pertaining to the soul, but things pertaining to the flesh. You know, I used an example earlier that fornication is a sin against the body. I saw that. I saw that. I saw that in my brother, what the sin of fornication did physically to his body and to the children that were murdered many times because of his acts of fornication, etc., etc. Just learn. Just learn. The easy way is God said it, I won't do it. But God also said, go and look at the ant. Go and look at the house of the wicked. Go look at the lazy. Go look at the slothful. God's Word contains that wisdom, so I'm not telling you not to use it. Use it. I'm just telling you the Bible gives it to you quicker. <laughs> but when you look around this world, there's your crystal ball. You don't have to be a prophet. You can know that if you start down a certain road, the end result from looking at others, you have a crystal ball. Use it. Don't learn the hard way. Don't end up in torment, begging for a drop of water. Folks, that's what I've got for you here in this podcast. I hope it's thought productive. Um, I hope you sit back and you'll say, man, let me be wiser. It doesn't matter how much wisdom you got. You can be wiser. Keep growing in wisdom, making better decisions. Even when you make good decisions, learn to make great decisions. And then when you make great decisions, learn to use wisdom to make even greater, masterful decisions. This life can be full of peace and joy if you live it the way the designer gave it to you. Thank you for listening. So as always, if you have questions, I'd love for you to call me. My phone number is 915-525-5794. You can email me at brianatwordstruth.net. We can Skype. You can visit the website. We can communicate some way, but ultimately at the end of the day, I'd want to talk to you. Thank you for listening.